0: Hi, I'm Sally Prosser. Welcome to That Voice Podcast. Great to have you here. Take a breath and settle in. Practical tips and inspirational stories are coming your way to help you speak with more confidence to grow your business, advance your career, and be done with public speaking freakouts. As a former TV journalist and company spokesperson, qualified speech and drama teacher, spiritual life coach, and TikToker, I know firsthand the power of using your voice with confidence. Let's go. Welcome back to That Voice Podcast. A huge welcome if you're here for the first time. If you haven't got a pay rise in years, if you're struggling to charge your worth, if you're feeling pushed around by the powers that be and you are ready to know your worth and make it mother effing heard, then this is the episode for you. Also, if you're a young journalist, this is must, must, must listen, <laughs> must listen content. This is going to be prescribed listening for all of my broadcast voice journalism students. And that's because today I'm joined by the incredibly talented Meggie Palmer. Meggie is an inter- Meggie is an experienced international news reporter. We both work for the same network, actually, at different times. And it was when she realized she was getting paid significantly less than her male counterparts. That injustice totally infuriated her, understandably, and it set Meggie on a path to where she is now. She's living in New York and heading up an amazing company called Pep Talk Her Pep Talk Her is on a mission to close the pay gap. In this episode, we cover super practical tips to prepare for pay rise negotiations, to negotiate once you're in there, and we also chat about how to handle rejection and build better relationships, even in COVID times. Maggie also shares something super valuable on offer at the moment. It's a free five-day challenge, just five minutes a day to know your worth. The Know Your Worth Challenge kicks off on Feb 14th, Valentine's Day. Or if you're single, forget V-Day, it's me day, honey. (laughs) And I have a special link for you to join in the show notes. It's peptalkher.com forward slash Sally. And if you haven't paused and signed up to that right now, believe me, you will be by the end of this episode. Let's dive in. Maggie Palmer, welcome to That Voice Podcast. Hello, Sally. I'm so excited. Oh, Maggie, I'm so glad I connected with you. As you know, we're both former TV journalists and what you're doing with Pep Talk Her, I absolutely love because I am always talking about giving yourself a pep talk, giving others pep talks. And I just love the whole concept of the pep talk, maybe from my early days in netball or something. (laughs)
1: So, here if you need, here if you need, the netball vibe, I love yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and here's the halftime oranges while you're at it.
1: Yeah. So let yes. us know, how did this come about? Yeah, so I used to love netball too, who knew? Um, I grew up on the Goldie, uh, clearly from my accent, I'm an Aussie, but I actually live in New York City now and it's kind of funny, Sally, when I reflect on like the twists and turns of my career as a journalist. and you know, how I've ended up here now not doing journalism at all, which is kind of weird. You know, sometimes you have those uh, sliding door moments in your life and your career. I've had a couple of those, like quite pivotal. Like I literally remember the moment where I was like, ooh, do I stay or do I go? You know, or do I say something or do I not? Because I know full well if I do say something... It takes me down a certain pathway that i can't come back from and so long story short i actually found out sally i spent 15 years or so as a journo and at one point in the middle of my career i found out that i was paid quite a lot a lot less actually than the dudes who i sat next to um so i was like i might just say something about that doesn't seem very cool um so i raised the issue and they were like oh yeah so if you don't like it why don't you quit or take us to court then And I was like, sorry, what? And they're like, yeah, you can quit or we'll see you in court. And I was like, all right, brothers, we're getting a lawyer. So I had to get a lawyer. So it was very stressful for someone who was pretty young. And honestly, Sally, I was so naive. I had no idea what was going on.
0: But me, can I just say hell yes, hell yes, because there's so many people listening to this Uh, As you know, I work with lots of young broadcast journalists just starting out in their career, and I can relate to this as well. It's it's a real power imbalance, especially when you're trying to make your way. And so to be able to make that decision, quit or take us to court take it to court bitches. I love it.
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't an easy decision. And you know, I, I'm like, I'm a real crowdsourcer of my decisions. i am my fiance's like, can you just make a decision? Like even like what ice cream do I want? What do I want for dinner? I'm not a quick decision maker. And so I was like, I, are you a Libra? I'm not, I'm a cancer. <laughs> and I've got no idea what that means. Who knows? But, oh, I'm terrible at star sign situations, but like I emailed like my kind of board of advisors, like maybe 10 or 20 mates. And I was like, what do I do? Because I I loved my job. And I was like, I don't want to cause drama necessarily, um, but I will. And everyone was like, don't do it. Don't say anything. You're so lucky to have a job. You've got an amazing job. Like, do not do it. It's a small industry. You'll never work again. So I got all this feedback that was like, just cop it and shut up. And I was like, stuff that, uh, absolutely not. Uh, Cause I was just like, injustice pisses me off, Sally. Like I was so pissed off. I was like, is this a joke? And also I was like, I'm pretty confident. And like, I knew I was excellent at my job. I knew I would get another job. I had savings in the bank. So I wasn't going to be on the street. And I was like, if I had kids or a mortgage or if I was in a perilous financial situation I would have to just cop it. And this must happen all the time and of course i know now that it does happen all the time i just didn't realize then
0: Mm. and can i ask how big was that pay disparity
1: so honestly it's it was it was pretty complicated um and i honestly couldn't even tell you but it was it, it was the conditions as well in the contract so it was kind of there was there was a lot going on but it was significant it was really significant put it that way um yeah wasn't good. Yeah. Gosh.
0: And so was that the motivation for what you're doing now? Is that where it all started?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was like, I felt like the blinkers were off. Like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, welcome to the real world girl. Like I was kind of, I don't know, I'm a child of the eighties and I was raised girls can do anything. And my parents to their credit, I literally lived this life where I thought I could do anything. Cause I just didn't even know. I, like. I don't know if it's naivety, I'm not sure if that's my privilege or a bit of both, but truly I I never really thought that I couldn't do something or that I would ever be treated differently because that's what I'd been led to believe and I'd stupidly or otherwise agreed and thought that that was the case. So it was this pivotal moment and I was like, well, it it was kind of stressful, honestly, Sally, and I got like a bit of anxiety, I couldn't really leave my apartment because I was like so stressed. I know it's a first world problem in the scheme of life, a hundred percent, but at the time it was, it's, you know, you're in it and it feels like a big deal to you. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But like, I was like, well, there's going to be something good from this, right? And in any, in any situation, I think in any turning point in your career, if you have a bad job interview, if you get passed over for a promotion, um, if there is something bad that happens, I do believe that it is possible in hindsight to look back at that and think, think, thank goodness. Because, you know, my whole thing at Pep Talker is, you know, rejection is just redirection, right? It, it, it's not the end of the world. It's just redirecting you to another door or another path. And this was that moment in my career. It really changed my career forever. It's why I'm living in New York. You know, it's why I've met some of the most amazing people. It's why I live this awesome life that I'm obsessed with. And I think I'm so lucky and privileged every day. And so I, in hindsight, I'm grateful. Um, but it was, it was kind of shitty at the time.
0: Yeah, it's always the way. I love that rejection is redirection. And that redirection in your life has now resulted in you being able to help so many other women with similar stories and lots of other stories at work so give us a bit of a rundown on what the main what is pep talk her and what are the main challenges that women in the community are coming to you with
1: yeah so my whole mission is closing the pay gap like that's i would love to be out of work sally that's the goal i'd quite like to be unemployed um the data right now reckons that we're looking at 100 to 200 years before we get to pay parity so it's a long road ahead What i know it's crazy hey it's but you know we're fighting against generations of systemic discrimination and bias and so progress is happening albeit slowly and i'm i'm buoyed by that and i'm excited by the small gains we are making so yeah our mission is to close that and so we know that to get rid of the pay gap we need government policy change we need business to change as well right so We really work at the grassroots level. So we have 60,000 women, professional women in our community, and we support them to understand the value that they bring to business, negotiate and advocate for themselves to be paid fairly and to be promoted. Right. And the results that we get are kind of bananas in a good way. So like people will get $5,000, $10,000 raises, no problem. 30K, 50K. We had a student a couple of months ago get $103,000 pay raise which is like woohoo. Wow. Yeah. Like it's not nothing, right? Like, and this is big money and that's like, it's for her. Yeah. But is that like, how good is that? Or how
0: bad were things to begin with?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's (laughs) interesting. And I think it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B, right? So sometimes it is how bad are things to begin with. In her instance, it was a bit of that for sure. I reckon maybe 30 or 40 K was part of that. But also the other thing was that after going through our career level up program, she realized the leverage she had within the business and actually the unique qualities that made her so special that she just didn't realize they wouldn't—they ne- were never going to let her leave. I could see that from the outside. She didn't get it because she was like, oh, I'm not that good. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting here objectively. Mm. Like there were so many reasons that I just knew they'd never let her go. And so, of course, when she had the conversation and put the data forward they were scrambling to be like, of course, like whatever you want. Yes. Yes. You know, like we'll promote you, we'll put you in this different department, all that kind of stuff. So um, sometimes it is that there's a pay gap in the first instance for sure. And sometimes it's that, you know, support that we give people to help them see a pathway for an even better role and for advocating in a way that positions them where the expectation is that the salaries will be significantly higher going forward.
0: Mm, so good. So it's this macro problem, mm-hmm. systemic, that really does go all the way down yeah. to the individual. Yeah. And the, as you know, that's where I work yes. a lot with as well. It's the individual situation and the individual voice yeah. that you're bringing into those conversations to get what you deserve. Totally. So if someone's listening yeah. to this going, okay, yes, yes, I'm feeling I'm feeling pumped. Yeah. But but what what do I do? Where do I start? Yeah. Who do I talk to? How do I do this? And that's
1: the thing, right? Like probably everyone listening, you might have read a book or you've listened to podcasts about this stuff, or you you know, you you've read a couple of articles. It's just a bit of a behemoth, right? Because there's a lot going on, right? <laughs> like if you're sitting here and you're like, I haven't had a pay raise in three years, where do I start? it's really hard to know where to start, right? And I think that's a big part of what Pep Talker is, is it's a roadmap to help you get where you want to go. So one of the things that we launched a couple of years ago, Sally, to help people find their voice in a negotiation was the Pep Talker app. And we launched that at the Vogue Codes event, actually. Um, And really, it's like a brag book, you know? It's sort of like a Fitbit for your career. That's kind of what it is. So it'll be like, Sally, it'll send you a push notification, it'll be like, Sally, what's up? What are you really proud of? And you'll be like, I recorded three podcasts, I did two keynote speeches with some amazing ASX 200 companies, and I ran three coaching sessions. So we then, oh yes, yes. tick, 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 (laughs) there you go. So we record that for you, right, in the app. So it's all in one place. So then if you go to renegotiate your rates in six months, or if you go to get a pay raise from a boss who doesn't exist with you, but for other people who have a boss, Mm. Instead of walking in blind being like, oh, shoot, I've got a negotiation tomorrow. What do I say? You've kind of got a bit of a dossier of achievements that you can pull from. And you can be like, oh, my goodness, what do I say? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's what happened in July. Oh, my gosh, I forgot I did that in January. Because, like, who can remember all of that stuff? If you didn't write it down and if your boss doesn't know about it, did it even happen? You know, and you've got to be doing your own PR really, because if you're not doing your own PR, who is, you know, not too many of us can afford our own publicists. So you've got to be your own publicist within the business. And that doesn't sit well with a lot of us, right? Especially the Aussies listening because of tall poppy syndrome. It's like, don't be a wanker, like don't get too big for your boots. So you've got to do it in a way that's genuine to you and that feels good, but you've got to do it nonetheless, because otherwise you're going to be sitting there like some of the people who come to me and they haven't had raises for six or seven years and you know, inflation, it's a killer. <laughs> it's, it, it really sucks.
0: And it's that belief that your work will speak for itself. That belief my work will speak for itself. I'm calling BS on that. Totally. You speak for yourself. Yes. Your work does not speak for yourself. You speak for yourself. And it doesn't matter how well you walk the walk. If you can't talk the talk as well, then it goes unnoticed. So it sounds like the practical tip that you're giving is to create your own file of what you're achieving
1: yeah and i can give you i'll, I'll share a little behind the scenes uh secret i spent 15 years as a journalist in australia and overseas um, at the bbc and a very prominent australian male journalist who shall remain nameless who's a good friend he has a google sheet every single day he fills in the google sheet he's very ocd and meticulous every single day he fills in the google sheet what the story was, what the title was, whether it was exclusive, and whether it led the bulletin. Every single day. So like, what? You know, like, so can you imagine him at pay raise time? I've had 72 exclusives. I got, you know, three lead stories a week for the past 30 weeks. Like, that's why I deserve, like, actually, I'm trying to think. I forget how much money he's on. He's on like, I don't know, it's several hundred thousand dollars, put it that way. Um, He's on a good wicket. But that's, you know, he's got data to back that up. And as a news director, it's kind of hard to argue with that. You're like, oh, okay. So compare that conversation to someone who walks in and says, I'm working really hard and, you know, I'd like a raise. Okay, why? Well, I work really hard. That's great, but like, how and what and show me. You know, and I think a lot of us, and honestly, I see this anecdotally more with women. We think if I work harder, if I work longer, they'll see it. And they'll notice you've got to work smarter. Like you have to be a hard worker and a good job. Don't get me wrong. But there comes a point, an inflection point in your career where I'm assuming Sally, most of your listeners are where, you know, it's not working. It's not getting them where they want to go. And they're doing these ridiculous hours and they're supporting all of the people who are getting the lead stories. And yet they're not getting the recognition. Does your boss know that you did that research? Does your boss know that was your source? does your boss realize that you've been doing 16 hour days all week? Cause if they don't know, like you kind of, you've got to communicate that. I'm not saying you should complain. You've got to communicate it.
0: Yeah. Oh, you are so right. And that was what I was going to add. I love this so much. It's not just about being able to show the evidence, but being able to put your voice to it and communicate those details. And I think about some journals that I've been working with and often it's a scramble of, oh, well, I haven't even got an up-to-date showreel. Oh, I'm running into somebody and my showreel's not up-to-date. So a tip that I give is that at all times you want to have your one minute of wonder, I call it. Your one minute of wonder, what's your one minute sizzle reel with your best stuff? Because as you know, when you're a journalist, you're doing that many stories that by Friday, you've forgotten what you've done on Monday half the time. <laughs> and so I love that Google Sheet idea. That is genius. And if you can do the same thing with your stories as far as, okay, that was a killer piece to camera. That was a really, really great, great yarn there. I'm going to put that into my showreel. So at any time, you never know when you're somewhere where you might run into a contact yeah. that you can say, yeah, let me send you some of my stuff. And you're not scrounging around. You've got that one minute ready to go. Totally. Yeah. One more thing I'd add there as well is it's uh, knowing, and this goes for whether you're a journalist or in any workplace is knowing who the decision makers are. Cause so often they'll be like, Oh, well, you know, my producer thinks I'm going well and the camos really love me or my colleagues think I'm great. But as you say, if it's not the decision makers, the people who are deciding your salary, who see any of that, then mm-hmm. it doesn't really it doesn't matter. Really
1: matter. It, do- it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that this is fair. I'm not saying that this is reasonable and I'm not saying that this is equitable by any stretch, right? And and the saddest thing is a lot of my dearest friends um are journalists and some of the hardest workers I categorically know are the lowest paid. And that's not yeah. fair. Yeah. Right? But they also don't ask for any more. And they also, frankly, honestly, Sally, I don't think they truly think they deserve any more. I know they deserve more. If I told you who they were, you know they deserve more. The news directors sure as hell know they deserve more, but they're not going to be offering it up on a plate because why would they? Because don't forget a lot of management, a lot of news directors get bonuses if they come in under budget on their salary. So let's pretend I'm a news director. Let's pretend I've got a a million bucks for salaries. I've got a million bucks to spread around. A lot of the time, this is not the case everywhere, but in some instances, if I only spend $900,000, I get a bonus to my personal bank account of the hundred grand that I've saved the company. And so I tell you this because sometimes management is incentivized financially to pay you less. And so look, on the one hand, you kind of can't blame them. They've got families to feed too, fair enough. But on the other hand, you've got to understand what games are going on in the background, because if you understand that, you can meet them where they're at and you can play by their rules, right? So there's lots of things that you can do as well. Like, you know, we've all heard that, you know, we've asked for a raise and we've been told, oh, there's no more budget. Sorry. okay, okay, Kind of sucks, but okay. So then what are you going to ask for, right? Like that is not the end of the conversation. I've done this before, I was at a previous network where I got eight weeks annual leave paid every year. The standard was six, I was like, well, if you're not going to bump me up in salary, I'd like two weeks off the books. And they're like, yeah, that's totally fine. Don't tell anyone, no worries. So it's doable. And you can say, well, if I'm not getting a raise, I want one overseas trip a year. Or if I'm not getting a raise, fine, can I go on secondment to the documentary unit for a month? That would really mean a lot to me. Like, what else can you be negotiating? Will they cover the cost of you doing a series of sessions with Sally, with a voice coach, right? You know, back when I was a journalist, I did a lot of voice coaching and often it was paid for by the company. But you've gotta find your voice to ask the question. You have gotta do the mental gymnastics to think, what can I get if this conversation doesn't go the way I want it to monetarily? What else do I value that actually the boss might be okay with the boss wants your voice to get better. He wants your he or she wants your pieces to camera to get better. So potentially they're incentivized to cover the cost of a coach to support you to do that, you know, but you've got to put yourself into their shoes as well. Oh, Maggie, I yeah. really,
0: yeah, I really, really wish that I had you many years ago, because when I asked for a pay rise, when I was at channel seven, it did not go well. Oh, Tell me why I was Sounds
1: juicy Sally.
0: Oh, look, the way that I remember it is I uh, was quite a new bureau and while I was there, we um, turned the ratings around, so Wynn had been winning for however long, and we started winning the ratings. And the, of course, the boss is happy. Happy days, Sal. Don't know what you're doing, but keep keep doing it. That was some of the words from somebody. You don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And so when we had the visit from the news director, I was thinking, okay, great. Like, love this. Video. <laughs> I've got a compliment. Yeah. And when you get a compliment in, an, in as a journalist, usually you only hear when things are going wrong, right? So when you actually got feedback, that's nice. I was like, oh, it's good. Um, but I just wasn't planned. I wasn't prepared. And I sort of went in there expecting that, of course, he was going to say yes, because of the feedback I'd been given. I didn't have an exact number. I didn't have more evidence than just, is there anything else? And it was honestly a laugh in my face going, oh, no, don't think so. Like, you're going pretty well. And I just remember that was the first and only time at work that I cried. I think it was the sort of laughing in my face, who do you think you are, to even ask that I just felt so deflated because as every journalist knows, you put your heart and soul into that every single day. You are working well beyond your contract. You know, contracts say you start at 9 a.m. and you finish at 5 p.m. but your your conference calls at 9 (laughs) a.m.
1: Here's the thing. I think when you work in an industry like media or perhaps you work for very well-known tech startups or you work for very well-known not-for-profits where there's a level of kudos To working for certain brands when you're in when you're working for an industry or a company where there's more demand of people that want to work there than jobs we see that there are more instances of people who are frankly taken advantage of right and when you're young this happens to me a lot when i was a a junior reporter too you don't know you don't know what you don't know So you play by the rules, you put up with the slaps on the ass because you don't know that it's wrong and you don't understand that there are procedures in place um, to support you. But of course, you and I and the listeners all know that even though there's systems in place, there's this thing called office politics, right? So if you make a complaint, if you talk to HR, potentially that's going to ostracize you, even though it's technically correct and okay, you've got to figure out as early as you can in the, in your career, how to dance around that because it's not easy and they don't teach you that. And you know, you need to use your emotional intelligence and be quite strategic, frankly, about what's going on. And to your earlier point, Sally, you've got to appreciate who's the decision maker. So if you have a junior producer who you work with every day, that's great. They're not deciding who gets the next bureau job. They're not deciding who gets to have opportunities to read the news or to cover investigations. That is not in their wheelhouse. So you need to be developing relationships with the assistant to the news director, because guess what? That's who gateways access to them. You need to find a reason and um find regular opportunities to connect with decision makers, even outside of potentially the news department. You know, if there's opportunities for mixes, if there are, you know, I don't know, intercompany um, events, like you need to go along and you need to be building those relationships because those relationships will grow with you in your career And those are the people that ultimately in two years, 20 years from now will help support you and lift you up into different opportunities. So I think like realizing that early on in your career is so valuable. And also the thing is like when it comes to things like news, reading jobs or bureaus, things that are very scarce, a lot of people will do whatever it takes to get those jobs, right? Or will accept conditions that maybe aren't ideal. And the challenge with that is when someone accepts that condition, that sets an expectation for everyone else coming after them. So one of my mentors actually said to me, um, she's a professor at Stanford and she said to me, Meggie, when I negotiate, it's not about me. It's not about me. And as women, actually we're better collective negotiators. So this is a, this is a hack to trick your brain as well. She doesn't negotiate for herself. She negotiates for herself, her husband, her kids, her grandkids, her horses and the next generation of female academics because she said, I know if I don't fight now, it's harder for the next academic who comes after me. So she says, I see it as my responsibility to ask the question, right? And to try and ask and ask and ask. And so she's kind of in her mind, she's kind of like breaking through the glass ceiling little bit by little bit because she knows it's gonna make it easier for the next person and she's quite right. And so I think all of us do have a level of responsibility. Be very careful. What conditions you accept or you suggest? Like I know a correspondent as well who lives and works overseas. Like they weren't even asked, but they offered to take a lower rental stipend. And I was at a dinner party recently when they shared this story, and everyone at the table was like, What did you do that for? You idiot. You just screwed up the next generation of correspondents who come after you because now the expectation is lower. And he was like, Well, yeah, but I really wanted the job. And we're like, Yeah, but like don't off. They didn't ask you to do that. Like you were going to get the job anyway. So don't negotiate with yourself. Just, it's, it's one of those things you've got to be really careful, but it it happens a lot. And I I think it's, we don't talk about it enough, you know? Absolutely.
0: I wasn't going to bring up COVID, but I think it's very relevant here because it is harder being in a newsroom or any workplace to just have a mixer or walk up to the news director things you're a bit more, I guess, isolated in a way. So do you have any techniques yeah. that people can use in this environment where it's not just the, Hey, hello, can I come in? Yeah.
1: And it's, and you know, this is a great question. So it's kind of like building relationships remotely, right? So the the, the reality of the world is like relationships makes the world go round. I would never have met Sally If our mutual friend, Simone hadn't, hadn't connected us, right? Like, and and I trust Sally because I trust Simone and so like Simone trusts me. So we, we've, you know, straight away formed an instant connection and a deeper bond than if I met you on the side of the street, right? Because we have that shared history. So it is your job. COVID sucks. Remote work sucks, right? Like it's not ideal from a relationship, networking, mentoring, sponsorship perspective. We can all agree on that. It is what it is. It saves our commute time, but it's harder in other ways. So you can either complain about it and say, Oh, it sucks. I can't build relationships. This is shit. Or you can do something about it. So here's what you can do. Like if you've got a boss, maybe they've got some kids. Maybe, you know, one of their kids is starting grade one. Maybe, you know, one of their kids just graduated from their first degree. So why don't you send them a Slack message or an email and say, Hey, I heard John graduated. You must be so proud. Like, that's awesome. Or like, how was the first day of grade one or did you have orientation day yet my nephew just had his so cute hope it went well so we're trying to find personal connections maybe you know that their partner's been sick and maybe you just touch base and say hey i'm just checking in how's your how's your partner doing it must be a hard week for you right now mate like i have a lot of anniversaries saved in my phone sally so if someone i know loses a a family member i will make a note of that in my calendar to recur every year so that I can reach out to them on what must be one of the worst days of the year for them. Right. Um, and I actually don't do that for a networking reason. I do that because I want to try and be a good human, but it's, it's kind of the same thing. If you know there's an important date or time in a boss or a leader's role, maybe they're a massive rabid supporter. So maybe you want to send them a little note, maybe their house got flooded. I don't know, whatever it is, you're trying to find connection. Maybe, you know, they go to Italy every year with their partner, COVID means they can't. You found a great Italian down the road from you. Maybe you just want to say, hey, you you might want to check this place out. It's my favorite. So cheap and cheerful. BYO wine. Perfect. You'll love it. Whatever. Like you just got to find a reason, right? You don't want to be a pain in the ass. So don't do it every day. That's annoying. Don't be that person. But find a reason. And so maybe if you're using ENPS, you might top line. If you're using Slack, Workplace, there's different, you know, you choose the best comms channel. You might want to do email, text. I don't know. Depends, but you want to find those points of connection. The other thing that I recommend is the FYI only email. So this is a technique that you can use probably in newsrooms. I would suggest maybe once a month is probably enough because everyone's so hectic. Sometimes I suggest every two weeks. I know some people that do it every week. Basically Sally, this is when you would send an email that's like, let's pretend my news director's name is Shauna. I'll be like, Hey Shauna, FYI stoked that this month I had three exclusives. I got the chief justice to talk to us and I mentored the intern and I've been nominated for a Walkley. I know that you've got the anniversary coming up this weekend. I hope it goes really well. I'll see you on Monday, whatever. Just like a generic email that's like a bit of connection, but also boom, boom, boom. If you're a producer, you might be like, as discussed, I've fired Peter. It was all done in conjunction with HR. That issue's been taken care of. We've reached out to more universities to ensure that the next round of graduates will be more diverse, and we were up on Channel 7's ratings last week, so long may that trend continue. Let's chat on Tuesday. So it's just a way of kind of collating all the successes that you've had in a sort of chilled but relatable way in a super short email. Don't keep it long, just dot points is good. Because here's the other thing that does, Sally, is like, if you come to December and maybe you've got a performance review, and if if you ask for a raise or a promotion, they're like, no, look, to be honest, you know, I'm just kind of disappointed in your performance this year. You can then say, that's, listen, tell me more about that. You know, I had no idea. I've been sending through updates every month and I'm really proud of the work I've done. I'd love to understand what I could have done better. So you're putting it back onto them to give you the feedback that you need so that next year you can say, well, hang on. You told me to do this. I've gone ahead and done that. Where's the disconnect, right? So you're setting yourself up for success. Oh, so many
0: fantastic, practical tips there. And I know that there are people who feel a little bit uncomfortable about bringing personal things to the workplace, but it makes such a difference, you know, and you don't need to be going to work outlining the intricacies of what your Saturday night involved to be able to make that connection. So if you want to learn a non-work related thing and think even now, what do you know about everyone you work with? What's one non-work-related thing you know about them? And you've got to look at yourself as well and say, are you sharing those things for others? Because if you're keeping a really, really tight lid on anything about your life that's not work-related, you're making yourself very difficult to form a relationship with. So I think it's a, a great tip and it goes both ways.
1: And and to your point, exactly, you, you don't have to booze with your colleagues, you know, and I think, you know, for anyone who's listening, who's an introvert as well, I think often, um, it can feel like you've got to be an extrovert or you've got to be kind of a bit of a booze hound to, to succeed in the media industry. Right. And the reason that a lot of people that do socialize a lot with colleagues and bosses do quite well is because of that relationship. People want to do business with people that they like. People want to work with people that they like. So if they know that they like someone, it's much easier for them to, to hire them, right? They know, Oh, well, she's actually really good, but I don't, I don't really know her that well, so I don't know if I can trust her. Some of this stuff's going to be a bit, you know, commercially sensitive. I don't know. Right. So there's a, it's a fine line and you want to share something of yourself so that you can be vulnerable and authentic in the workplace, but you are within your rights. You don't have to tell anyone if you're dating, you don't have to tell anyone that you belly dance on the weekend. That's totally fine. There's no, you you don't have to share everything, but maybe you want to say, Hey, have you listened to this podcast? It's amazing. Like I'm such a fan, right? Like, or find a connection in another way. Maybe you're from Queensland, shout out to Queenslanders and so is your boss. So maybe that's what you talk about, those elections that are coming up because maybe you're based in Melbourne or London or wherever the case may be, right? You're trying to find shared connection. Human connection is so important, right? And it's it's really going to set you, set you up for success. But you can be an introvert and you can still have those successful relationships, right? You might just connect in a different way with people and that's totally fine as well. Oh, if you're listening to this
0: and you've got your pen and your paper out and you're madly writing down all of these amazing tips that Maggie is giving, then you would benefit a lot from a new challenge that's coming up called the know your worth challenge.
1: Yeah. So it's so interesting. So we get the, I get, um, Emails every single week. I had an email actually today from someone who's in the community. She's been through the Know Your Worth Challenge before. She sent it to her mum. This woman is in her late 30s, so her mum must be in her 50s, 60s, maybe 70s. I don't know. And she sent me an email two days ago and said, Hey, I just wanted you to know, mum just negotiated a four day week. How good's that? Down from five days, same pay. So, um, shout outs to the super mum who is a baller negotiator. But yeah, really, there's certain questions and challenges that all of us face in the workplace again and again and again, regardless of industry stage in your career. And so what we've done is developed a five-day challenge, it's five minutes a day, because who has longer than that, um, to really help you get a a pay raise and a promotion, and frankly, to have a deep sense of self and to understand, yes, you're worth it, here's why, and this is why you should 100% have the confidence to ask the question. And one of the things that we focus on is how do you get comfortable asking uncomfortable questions? And for a lot of us talking about money is aucs and uncomfortable. And so we we talk through a framework to help you help you tackle that. And one of our staff is a behavioral psychologist. And so everything that we teach is, um, is rooted in the psychology and the science behind why as humans we behave the way that we do. So yeah, check out peptalkher.com forward slash Sally. And it's totally free, so you can sign up, um, the emails, and then I do a live coaching call every day for five minutes over the five days uh, to help support you. So I'll take your questions live, I can coach you through scenarios you're going through, um, and plus you'll just kind of connect with a community similar to the community you've created, Sally, of like, like-minded like people who are aspirational, they're going places, they just need a pep talk along the way, right, like we all do. And so that's, that's what we strive to do at Pep Talk
0: Oh, I'm definitely signing up. Woo! Five minutes a day. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. And what's so important yeah. with this is once you know what to say, and this is where I'm very passionate, is once you know what to say, it's so much of it's in that delivery. Can you say it like you truly believe it with the tone of voice and the inflections and the emphasis and that like drop the mic, that's right, bitches it's kind of entirely. energy? but totally. and it is difficult as well to strike that right balance we've got to use our emotional intelligence as well and i know that a lot of women we try to walk that fine line between not being too much of a pushover but not being too aggressive right it's difficult it's
1: so difficult and it's difficult for good reason because we're penalized you know there is unconscious bias and discrimination that impacts women and as i said it's much worse for women of color and that is real that penalty is real and one of the biggest things that I I I less so today, but particularly when I was a journalist I struggled with the likability Complex of like I want even when I decided to take that company to court over the pay inequality I wanted them to like me. I didn't want it. I didn't want to fight with them I didn't want to leave the company. I wanted them to like me So I tried to be likeable and friendly and like let's all work this out, but you know, they didn't take me seriously Probably because of my gender, probably because of my age and frankly, Sally, probably because of the way that I communicated back then. I I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and with hindsight, I would have handled it very, very differently. Right? So I think, yeah, what the work, the work that you do is so powerful because there's a time and a place to use your mic drop voice and there's a time and a place to speak very slowly and quite quietly so that people really lean in and think, Oh shit, Maggie's serious. Right. So having that ability to pivot in your language, not just as a reporter or an on air um, journalist, but also during performance reviews or frankly, you know, when you're having Zoom conversations with people as well, having that empathy in your voice can help communicate a deeper connection with people as well.
0: Absolutely, and that goes for anybody in any profession as well. Same thing. Yeah. Amazing, Maggie. Is there any final bits of golden advice you'd like to drop?
1: Oh uh, no! Look, I just think you know one of the things someone said to me once, Sally, is people pay the price that you put on yourself. So no discounting. Thanks from any of your audience. We have an audience of absolute legends here who should be compensated fairly. And trust me, there are places that will value you and that will pay you fairly. It may not be where you are right now, and that's okay. It's sometimes hard, but in the long run, in my experience, it works out for the best. So don't forget that people will pay the price that you put on yourself. So I want all of you putting a higher price and then add tax so that you are being paid uh, what you're worth because you truly, I believe that you're worth it your friends and your family and your close colleagues know that you're worth it. If your boss doesn't see that, that's on them, right? And that's not a reflection on you. So I would just love to stay in touch. Let us know, like Sally and I are both on Instagram. Let us know like what you've learned from today. Um, and tell us your story. I would love to hear from you in my DMS and I hope to see a bunch of you in the challenge as well. It's coming up. Um, it's going to be rad. We're going to get pay raises. Last time Sally people got like, I think like there was a heap of 5,000 and $10,000 raises. We had 130 K raise. Um, just from the five days. We have another course that helps you if you're wanting to get the bigger bumps, the 50 to 100K bumps, but um, I'm excited for that. So it's peptalkher.com forward slash Sally. I can't wait.
0: Oh, amazing. Meggie!
1: thank you so much for joining the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks, everyone.
0: Oh my gosh. Ever since I met Maggie, as mentioned, it was through Simone Heng, who actually features as a guest on episode 41 of That Voice podcast. Ever since I met Meggie, she has just been the most beautiful, supportive, positive human and just the kind of hype girl you really want on your sidelines. So please DM us on Insta. Let us know how you found the episode. I'm at Sally Prosser voice and Meggie is at pep talk her. And if you're listening to this before Feb 14th, then head to the link in the show notes to join the free five day, know your worth challenge. It'll be well worth doing the know your worth challenge. It's PepTalkHer dot forward slash Sally. Thanks for listening to That Voice Podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with your people on social media and tag me at Sally Prosser Voice. And for episode details straight to your inbox, leave your email at www.thatvoicepodcast.com.